And this is John A. And this is the Destination 180 Horror Podcast, where we talk about all kinds of horror movies. So, the movie we're going to be talking about today is The Bad Seed. It's a 1956 film. This one is directed by Mervyn Leroy. It stars Nancy Kelly, Patty McCormick, Henry Jones, and Eileen Heckart. John A., do you want to give us like a brief little background on what it's about? Maybe with no spoilers? No spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers. Ooh. All right. So, The Bad Seed. You have a little girl named Rhoda Penmark, mm-hmm. and she is left alone with her mother. Basically, little girl crazy. It's kind of like all you can say. So one thing about this movie, so when we're in our little meetups, we'll kind of just get into the background of the movie and all of the happenings going on behind the scenes before the movie's actually shot, if that makes sense. This movie was adapted from a novel by someone named Maxwell Anderson. And then it was, nope, 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 let's go back. It was a play. Well, no, it was, a it, 19... was a, it was a novel first, then it was turned into a play. There we go. So the play is by Maxwell Anderson, and the novel is by William March. So when this was made into a film, this film was very different from what other people were seeing. Like, they weren't used to the things. And we won't say them just yet, but I will say, if you haven't seen this movie, please stop the podcast. We're going to be sitting here, I promise you. Go watch the movie. You can find it on Amazon. I watched it on the fire stick. I think it's like on Hulu. Like you can find it. It's out there. And then come back and have this conversation. So as we were saying, oh, if you want to rent it on Amazon, you can rent it for two ninety nine on Amazon. This movie deals with a lot of things that now we're used to. So when you see this movie now, you might be able to predict some of the things that might happen, and you might. You might be surprised by some things, but then if you would have seen this, you would have been totally taken left and around the corner. Like, I just don't even know where to start with how this movie just begins to play on the whole evil kid trope. I don't think there's a movie that came before this that even do. Have you seen one? Have you found one? That came before this one? Yeah, I don't think there is one. I think this might have been the one that sets up all those evil kid tropes. And we'll get into it in just a little bit to let you guys know how Rhoda really gets down. I want to talk about the artwork or the movie poster. So when you look at the bad seed, you will see it is a black movie poster. It has a little insert of Rhoda in the corner and she looks very, very menacing. Then you have the mother, Kristen, with a shocked expression, she's more in red. And then we have a silhouette of the mother coming through the door. And it's marketed as the biggest shocker, something that you haven't ever seen in theaters before. Then there's another cover that I really like. It's all black. It seems like this might have been for the 2004 Blu-ray DVD release. It's all black. It says the bad seed, but seed is blood red. And it has Rhoda at the bottom. She's facing, I guess this would be facing the left. And you just see her profile. And it looks like there's a trail of blood around her. And it's completely black and white. It's just very unsettling. It looks nothing like the first one. It just looks like if if Rhoda and Esther was in a room, I think my money would be on Rhoda. (laughs) <laughs> like honestly howdy survivors please keep your tips and limbs inside the vehicle and remain seated at all times hang on to your personal belongings especially your minds and spines cause this here's a wild ride John A are you ready for our Q line discussion 
Don't all right. be nervous. All right, girl. what's the question? What okay. we got? What we got? So the tagline for this movie is, what would you do if you were cursed with the bad seed? Sips wine. Ooh. Um, well, it depends. Now, before we start, guys, mind you, we're going into spoiler territory. I know we haven't discussed the movie yet. But we're assuming you know what happens in the movie. You know we know what happens in the movie. So John A is going to answer this question as if she knows what happens in the movie. Go ahead. Okay. If my child is out here killing people, you got to go You gotta go somewhere. But you can't stay in my house. I will send you to a psych ward. I'm going to call the police. Somebody's going to come. A priest. Somebody. But you's going to get up at my house. So you're <laughs> like, not going to be down? No. no. Mm-mm. that's it no you gotta so, go so okay do you think you would be as quick to catch on to it yes you do yeah cause I how would you address it what are you gonna do like that's your kid that's your baby I'll come visit you but you're not staying in my house and I mean we don't we don't have kids so we can't I guess we can't really have that full emotion because we don't know what it's like to love someone like that but you know we, I work with a lot of little kids. I have nieces and nephews, but my perspectives, I don't know. I can't answer that question like you. Like, I think that I might actually, there might be a limit for me because I'm a Libra and I just can't help it. Like, I'm going to try. I know that that was wrong of my daughter to do. Clearly, it's murder, but I just don't know. That's my eight-year-old daughter. Like, it's either her, she going to jail or you going to jail. Like, now put it this way. <laughs> now put it this way. Maybe the first one. The first one, depending on how she played the fiddle. And Rhoda played the fiddle, honey. Oh, my God. It was like I saw through it. It was like I did see through it. But I was just like, if if I was a mom in the 50s, if okay, I would really love, side note, I would really love to see this movie remade with black people just saying. Because I just want to know would she be able she to finagle the said, same way. This is a spoiler. She said, I slipped on purpose oh you're that's not the first kill i said the first kill that's not the first one that i mean technically first, that is that the, first the first one kill. technically <laughs> technically that is the first one okay so you're right but in the context of the movie that's not the first one so i mean the first one is better than the second one it is as far as accidents go accidents that y'all gotta go <laughs> i mean i said i said at some point like okay the Either first way. one, okay, if we are speaking the first one with her slipping, if she never told me that that was on purpose and it okay. appeared like an accident, I would be like, but okay, the, but it would be sus. But the second one would have to be the one that triggered me off. If I have all of these people coming to me telling me that my child was the last person seen with this person and she's badgering him over this dad on metal and all of mm-hmm. that stuff, then I would have to put two and two together. And I guess, I mean, I don't know. First of all, I would be pissed off that my child is so daggone spoiled over a daggone metal. Yeah, okay, now. Now, <laughs> if I raise a child and she acting crazy over a metal, what did I do wrong? Yeah. But see, okay, now I do want to bring that point up in the movie. You know what? I feel like we've answered this question quite well. I feel like we just need to go to the loading dock. So we could just go ahead and take this ride. So give us just one little second so we can get on this loading dock and we'll meet you on the ride as we explore the bad scene. Mm, she might get kind of lonesome with that soldier boy hers gone. I wish she were mine. Every time I look at her, I wish I had just such a little girl. 
This has been a terrible tragedy for Mrs. Daigle, as she's lost her only child. That know-it-all Monica Breedlove. I don't think nobody knows anything but her. He has the mind of an eight-year-old, but he's managed to produce a family, so I keep him on. Give me those shoes back. Oh, no, I've got them shoes hid with. Nobody but me can find them. Better give me those shoes, they're mine. Give them back to me. I believe you did it. What do you give me if I give you a basket of kisses? I'll give you a basket of hugs. I'll miss your hugs. <laughs> well, I'm not letting the slightest degree. Really, knows when she's told if you don't mind me being presumptuous. I had a long talk with that guard since I saw you last. And that was a long, interesting conversation. He said he saw Rhoda on the pier just before Claude was found among the pilings. She owes something, all right. Did you have anything? I don't care how small it was. Did you have anything to do with the way Claude got drowned? What makes you ask that, Mother? Now, look me in the eye and tell me the truth, because I must know. No, Mother, I didn't. You're not going back to the Fern School next year. They don't want you anymore. Okay. I'm going to call Miss Fern and have her come over here. You think I lied to you her? You did lie to her. But not to you, Mother, not to you. You know something? Miss Fern dyes her hair. And Rhoda's a sweet, perfectly sound little is girl. She father, is she? Granddaddy! Next to Daddy, you lift me up best. Why do you look at me? I just want to see your face. We start the bad seed. It's very dark, and I immediately, immediately get Vincent Price vibes, like from Thriller, like he was about to start monologuing or something. But we suddenly shift over, and it goes to a suburban neighborhood, and everything's bright and sunny, where we see um, what is this place called? The Tie Water Arms Apartment, and this is where we hear a piano playing, and it's Miss Rhoda. She's very, very dapper. Pinafore, that's the type of material I was trying to tell you oh. earlier. <laughs> I could not, I was trying to describe this just to John A. earlier, and I cannot for the life of me figure out what it was. But it's Pinafore. So she has on a beautiful little Pinafore dress with her little perfect pigtails with bows, and she's playing this song. I think it's called, um, like, Bye to the Moon, but I'm not sure. Don't quote me. I think that's what it's called, though. But, but before you even get into that, yeah, I just want to say... I love how old movies have the credits at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> it's so nostalgic. As, oh, my gosh. And orchestras. Mm-hmm. They need to bring back orchestras in movies. It seems like, like they have them, but they don't do it like they used to. Let's say it like that. Yeah, it's like not They the have them, but they just don't. It just doesn't hit. It hit different now. It's a little weak punch. Put it that way. Well, they need to bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> so Aunt Monica comes down to watch Rhoda while Mom and Dad leave. So Dad is um, Kenneth uh, Penmark. He is a naval lieutenant, and he's actually actually no, he's not. He's a colonel in the novel. He's a naval lieutenant, but in the movie, he's a colonel, and he's going to D.C. for work for about four weeks. So Rhoda and Kristen, the mom, are sending him off, and you know how adults got to do. They got to have a little private time. It's really nothing too mild. But 
They go off and Aunt Monica is watching Rhoda while they're outside. So I noticed, and I brought this up to Johnny earlier, that when they have their little departure and they're kissing each other or whatever, I told Johnny that they really made sure to focus on Kristen's left hand or Christine's. I'm going to call her Chris. They really made sure to focus on Chris's left hand to show that big ring on her finger to show you guys this is a married family. Like this is the typical... Um, dad is in the military, mom is a housewife, and we have the perfect daughter, and everything is sweet and happy dandy. Did you notice I mean, that? you know, that's the 50s in a nutshell. Exactly. Like, like, the American dream. Exactly. Except for they were in apartments, but you know, mm-hmm. that white picket fence, mom stays home from work, dad is has a perfect job, right. daughter's perfect, mm-hmm. she's in a boarding school. Mm-hmm. We go back inside, and we see that um, Monica is gifting, first of all. I have an auntie like this, and it made me think of this so much. So, Rhoda, Rhoda, I'm telling you, this little girl is spoiled. And she has the drip, honey. So, those glasses was cute. I was like, okay, Rhoda, these are cute. So, it's these little glasses. I don't know what color they were. Because the movies, okay, so one thing we didn't say is that the movie isn't black and white, but color was definitely a thing then. It was. It was definitely a thing then, but I guess to give it the mood and the atmosphere that they were going for. Maybe that's why it was in black and white. What they need to But it was do. also cheaper to do that, too. Well, what they should do now is, like, go back and put it in color. Like, yeah. how they did all those Shirley Temple movies. I would movies. love to see it. Now, see, there were some pictures. I know we're going off subject, but that's perfectly fine. There are some pictures on Google that were, like, I don't know if it's any here. But I definitely saw some of Rhoda in this dress in color right here. I'll find them later. Didn't they but... say that in the movie her dress was like red? I think? Yeah, I noticed that too. And I was trying to figure out which one was just because that one definitely looked like it was white. So I think it's the dress when she went to the picnic. That That's what like... I do too. Like, um, we'll talk about it because we're like jumping for it, but we'll talk about it. So um, Auntie Monica is giving Rhoda these gifts. She gives her like these glasses that are like studded to the gods in the front. And then she also gives her this locket. But I think it's at this point where she tells her that it needs to be fixed because something's wrong with it. So she takes Yeah, she it wants to change the, the stones. So it had... Um, Auntie Monica's birthstone in it but she wanted to get a switch to put Rhoda's birthstone. Okay, so I missed that part. Thank you. So now they're, um, Auntie Rhoda's, like this part I like how they played it because it's very simple. Like obviously you know when your auntie or when your grandma comes over it's game time. Like you're gonna get spoiled, you're gonna get everything you want, all the attention is on you, whether it's always like that or not. So Aunt Monica, who really, by the way, isn't even Rhoda's aunt, she's really just the landlady, but we all know how that goes. Kind of like giving a little exposition on Rhoda's personality. And she's talking about how for an eight-year-old, she's very, very particular. Like by the way she dresses, how mature she is for her age, the way she speaks, the way she carries herself. And it's just like, you're just kind of like, how is an eight-year-old so perfect? It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, they're they're well-behaved children, but this is a little too clean. She even goes to comment on Rhoda. Like I said, um, she's wearing her dress, and they're going to a school picnic. And um, Monica says, like, don't you want to wear a play suit? Like, don't you want to wear a jumpsuit? And she's like, no, I want to wear a dress. Like, And, oh, you know. You know who that reminds me of? Anyway, <laughs> this is only the first show. It's all right. Anyway, it just clicked in my head when I said that. And if anybody else thought about it too, we can 
hash it out once we get like an official social media page or something like that. But, but anyway, did you did you peep how Christine was looking at Rhoda the whole entire time? Yeah, that that conversation was happening between Rhoda and Mar. Um, so you're talking about when like she was sitting in the back. Mm-hmm. Yes, she kept looking side eyeing her. Like so, that was right, and I think this is. Like how you side eyeing your side eyeing your daughter already? Okay, so I think, like you said, so El Monica, like I said, was just describing her personality and things, and I guess like the mom was just seeing how she was like soaking it up because she sees that she's slowly wrapping Monica in between her fingers or whatever. Then the little girl had the nerve to say, "I want both." <laughs> yeah, no, but see, my thing was no, okay, because I wrote that down here, but I'm like, why will I Monica come up in here with all these gifts and tell me I gotta choose? She said, I want both. I'm on Rhoda's side. <laughs> I want both too, sis. Don't don't bring, do not bring me two gifts and then tell me I can only pick one. And I'm a Libra. And her, That's not fair. Her mom looked at her and was like, um, excuse she me. She did. <laughs> okay, so okay. it's like there's so many points in the movie where I feel the mom is actually doing what she should as a mom. Like, I will give Christy or Chris credit it wasn't like she was one of those moms that just sat and let Rhoda do whatever. Like, she always called her out. Like, as we um, get into, I don't want to skip too ahead, but there are a few times she calls Rhoda out for being bratty. We later go, um, they're heading outside. I believe that um, Rhoda, yes, like I said, Rhoda and her mom are going to go to the school picnic. And this is where we meet Leroy or Leroy. Leroy. We have no idea what this guy's name is. It's Leroy. We're going to say Leroy because they say it both ways. Leroy with yeah. the accent over okay, there. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Capital R, honey. Okay. So we meet Leroy and he is the building's custodian. Monica describes him as a grown man with the mind of an eight-year-old. But he has a family, so that's the only reason he really works there. And when I first watched it, I didn't realize. I really thought because he was watering the grass, I thought he accidentally like wet her. Like, you know, like no, sometimes you're just no, getting away. No. And I he rewinded it. Yeah. And sprayed her on purpose on well, her now, feet. Well, now I understand. Like, and, she deserved it. <laughs> yeah, he sprayed her on the feet. And instantly, the way he was looking, too. Yeah. I had to keep remembering throughout the movie that they said that he has a mind of an eight-year-old. Mm-hmm. But off rip, he gave me creep vibes. Mm-hmm. So the second time he did it, because he does it twice. I don't know if you've seen the second time you he know, did it. I he does it twice. Creep. And they're basically like, you know, calling him out for being rude. And like I said, the first time I didn't catch it. So I'm like, and that's why when the I heck realized, is everybody being so mean to him? No, that's when I realized that she was very, out, uh, Rhoda was very outspoken for an eight-year-old. Because she switched so fast mm-hmm. from being like cute, prim, proper, perfection to, no, you did that on purpose. No. Da, 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 da. Like, she mm-hmm. was going off. Mm-hmm. They go back in the house. And Rhoda is, like, skipping around the living room. And I told Johnny earlier that this was very conveniently done, and we won't, like, go into it too much further. But she's skipping around the room, and the first thing I could think of, because she shows the bottom of her shoes, and she has, like, these crescent moon taps on them. And I'm like, I know she's scratching up this daggone floor, like... John A and I are dancers, and I've taken tap. I don't know if John A's taking tap. No, but I have tap shoes, which is so weird. I've never taken tap, but yeah. I have tap shoes. So we have tap shoes. So you, in any of you out there by chance have taken tap or have seen a tap shoe or a show, 
you know very well that they are lethal to a wooden floor, which has nothing to do with nothing. But in my head, especially now that we're a little bit older and we get when kids do annoying things that they don't think is annoying, but you do. I was just very shook that they stood there that long and just let her make that noise because it was very like. Well, I mean, you got to look at the genetic makeup. <laughs> I mean, okay. Oh, oh. Because my mama would not let me scratch up her floor. (laughs) So here again, uh, Monica goes into just singing Rhoda's praises and talking about the perfect little girl she is. And I think she brings up about how smart she is and how she can have everything in the world. And Rhoda, uh uh-oh. This is like a sign for Rhoda to just take it and run with it. Rhoda brings up at school that she did not win the medal for best penmanship. And it's like, first of all, who even like, that's crazy that they had that award. Okay, so, okay. One thing that I will say about the 50s, Mm -hmm. I I can't remember exactly what my Nana, I think my Nana, actually, my Nana was in high school in the 50s. Mm -hmm. Her, my grandfather hit my great uncle all of them have perfect penmanship like that cursive that is so that looks like and i'm like like computer graphic like computer font exactly Mm -hmm. and that's because they really stress the importance of writing yeah i'm like now we barely like especially even now we don't write and it, like anytime I have to like sign my receipts or like even now when we have to sign autographs, like I'm like, oh, I had to practice. I mean, like I'm used to it now because I'm used to having a marker in right. my hand. But even then, I'm still like, oh, I have to remember how to. Yeah, they really stressed penmanship. Yeah. So even when I was in fifth grade, we had to have a cursive class. We had a cursive class. Yeah. So, I mean, like when we would see Johnny and I and we're telling our age here, we were probably <laughs> like the last of people to do cursive that's what we'll say well they talk you can estimate from there christian oh they did my little brother i think my niece knows cursive she's 19 no it looks ugly no hers but, is cute no christian she's a girl ugly, you know how some girls you know how most girls are pretty cute okay so <laughs> rhoda did not win the penmanship award it actually went to a little kid named claude daigle and Claude is perceived as lower class, basically. So Rhoda felt just, she just felt like she was better than him. So that's basically why she felt like she should have won. It wasn't really based off of her having the best handwriting. She's getting really worked up over this penmanship award. It's not like, it's not just like a you being upset you lost. Like she's like very upset like you can just see like her little veins like just slightly popping out her eyes are just focused forward and she's just like going at it and her mom is just like watching her in the back and this is what I was bringing about bringing up earlier that the mom actually calls Rhoda out and she's like you know there are no like sometimes you're not gonna win and that's okay you just have to take those lessons and move forward and that's really it as i told john it's never really a moment that she just stands by and lets rhoda be bratty nowadays when we watch movies like this in most cases the or parents, dr phil yes it's <laughs> like even a reality or reality the parents are really pushovers and just really don't do anything mm-hmm. to control their kids in the first place so they finally leave to go to the park and this is where, if you actually, I don't know if you saw, but we, they actually show Claude 
and Mrs. Daigle in this scene, but you have to like look for them because oh, it's black I and white. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, it's like black and white. It's like hard to see stuff. You know how this goes. Like if anybody watched the Andy Griffin show and they showed the scenes where there were multiple people in them, you really had to like look around to see where you were looking at. So they go to the picnic and this is where Leroy gives a little monologue. And as we said, like this movie is very reminiscent of a play. Like you have the staging of it, just the way that characters are sitting and just blocked on the stage and the acting is a little bit much. But if you're used to seeing theater, you're used to seeing plays, you're going to be used to it. So Leroy gives a little deposition about Rhoda, just talking about how she's so sweet and she can fool all these other people, but she can't fool him. So that's when we get to the school picnic and Chris meets up with Mrs. Fern, which is um, Rhoda's teacher. And she asks her about Rhoda fitting in at school and she's starting mentioning, like, do kids get along with her? Basically, she's just trying to get a little... Is she popular? Yeah, a little parent-teacher time about her kid. You know. First of all, I don't like Miss Fern. I... Like, she did way too much beating around the bush for me. Just say what you Okay, yeah. Okay, now I'll say that. But I guess it was just like, I don't know. I'm not a teacher, but I do teach children, if that makes sense. It's not a long story, but... It is what it is. So it's like, you know, sometimes you can only do so much. But I'm like, I feel like but at if that time, child, if you're going to go over her house, you might as well just. But I mean, like, if you're if you're having behavioral problems with a child. Yeah. And okay, so in the 50s, you, at that time, I think you could still discipline someone else's child. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, even still, if you're having behavioral problems with someone else's child, you mm-hmm. need to bring that to the parent's attention. Yeah. Why are you going to sweep it underneath the rug? Like, if yeah. she's crazy, tell, don't necessarily say your child is crazy, but... Give a little information about what's happening and that it's not okay. So that's not what happens here. Once Chris asks, is she popular with the kids? Miss Fern just kind of, like John A. said, she just kind of evades the question and wanders off. So I guess, I guess at this point, this is where Chris leaves. But we cut from the picnic. She slid her a check before she dipped though. (laughs) Yeah. So we cut. Well, actually, let's go back because I did skip a part. When we come out to the picnic, there's um, a child that just, you know how kids are. If you've ever been around kids or you have kids, they get very excited when they get places and they just take off and run. And there's one girl that takes off and run towards the wharf and one of the staff teachers or whichever you want to call them stops her and says, don't ever go to the wharf. And she makes an announcement to all the kids. This place is off limits, so you kind of know that. And especially because we've seen this in the very beginning of the movie, we know that this is. And there was a sign too. Play into the movie. You know, don't go to the dock or whatever it's called. So it's all these warning signs around this dock or this wharf, whatever they want to call it. We cut the scene. We meet up with Chris, Monica, Mr. Emery, and Mr. Tasker. And they're sitting around the table and they're just having grown folk talk. You know how they do. Mr. Tasker is a true crime writer. I believe. I think so. I think he's a true crime writer. Anybody can feel free to, you know, hash it out with us somewhere and let us know if we're wrong. But they're talking about a nurse that that used to kill people called Mrs. Allison. But they also, not they, but also you start to notice during their conversation, Chris is starting to get nervous like so actually when they were talking about that nurse killing people mm-hmm. i thought they were gonna say nurse rat Nur- <laughs> how that's the first thing i thought of. 
Did you watch that scene? Yes. I haven't watched it yet. Oh I my d- gosh. I'm I the type, it. I know we're off subject, but it's fine. Get used to it. This is what's going to happen, people. I kind of want to watch that. Like, I like watching things when people aren't watching it. Like, Lovecraft, I don't want to watch it right now. I had to. I want to watch it when people Because then it. everybody, I get on social media too much. And then I would have been confused. But see, you know how the algorithm is today. Like, if you're not paying attention to it, then that's the hack. Mm-mm. And me. then I also follow Journey. Oh, see, that's why I know. Yeah, I follow Journey. I, don't, I follow her, but I don't pay attention to her enough for her to pop up on my algorithm. And I follow um, Kaylin Harris. Mm-hmm. I love that name. So so cute. Yeah. Okay. They, she played the Jigaboo-boo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, BJ's dad says that name. They're going to hear this in the podcast. Sorry, guys. He says that in his. <laughs> that was the name of the episode, but they didn't oh. say boo boo. It was spelled bobo. And so I was walking around. I was like, Jigabobo. My mom was like, no, it's boo boo. But I'm like, no, look at the episode title. It says Jigabobo. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> this is one wild ride, folks. Welcome to Destination 180. Keep your hands and feet inside the ride at all times. All right. We go back to the table and they're talking about true crime. And John A., this is where you were telling me that you actually know about some of the behind the scenes on this little issue that they're talking about. Chris is kind of unsettled by them talking about true crime. And Monica is like that friend that anytime you say something is wrong, she has the assessment. She has the answer. Well, that's because her little butt done went to therapy and got (laughs) psychoanalyzed. So now she thinks she can go and psychoanalyze everybody else. Okay. And I mean, don't we all need that friend? Sometimes, (laughs) sometimes not. So the whole time they're doing this, I'm like, wait a minute. I want to hear the story about this thirst that's killing everybody. I'm like, can we get back to the story? And Monica is like, did you see the part where she like hits her on the shoulder? How does that make you feel? She was like, how does that make you feel? I was like, she hit her hard as heck. Like, you know how you might tap your friend, like, when you laugh and you, like, tap your friend? Like, Monica, no. See, if we was in the club and we was drunk, Monica would have got popped. Because, no. Excuse me. No. Because she hit her way too hard. So, in my notes when we were watching it, they doing all of this. And I'm like, no, I really want to hear the story. Like, can we go back? So, they get into Chris gives us this little spill. And Phil, please help me out here because it was a lot going on. That she believes she's adopted and she has all these dreams about her being adopted. And yeah. her parents on her parents. So, that whole psychoanalyzing thing, she was trying to get... Okay, Monica was trying to get Christine to say how scary things make her feel. Right. Because Christine was saying that she doesn't like blood, she doesn't like guts, she doesn't like hearing about true crime or any of that. And so now Monica wants to psychoanalyze her and figure out why. So as Mr. Tasker is explaining this nurse who's going around killing people, she keeps interrupting the story to be like, okay, so when he said that, what did you think? What are you thinking about? (laughs) What are you thinking about now? And she was like, well, I mean, I don't know. Like, what? <laughs> so they get, so Dr. Well, I don't know why I want to call him Dr. Tasker. I don't think he's a doctor. Mr. Tasker gets to a point in the story where he says that this nurse got away with it because she would go on and change her name ever so often. And I'm not sure, you can go ahead and correct me, I'm not sure if her original name or the name she ended up going with was Bessie Danker. And as soon as they say this name, Chris just, like, her whole body, everything in her system just shut down. So in my head, and I'm she like... she looked up like, yeah, what did she, you say? Yeah, like, what? 
Like, she just, like, something about saying this name, and we'll get to it. Something about saying this name just did not sit with her. Okay, so when she reacted that way, Mm -hmm. automatically I kind of figured out the plot. Mm -hmm. So she already just said that the story was making her think of her father. Mm -hmm. Then she was talking about... Well, when, okay, so when Monica asked her, why did it make you think of her father? She was like, well, I think I'm adopted. So then they went into that whole changeling changeling situation where Monica was saying that, oh, it's normal for you to feel like you've been adopted at some point. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Christine just... you ever felt like that? No. I haven't. Yeah, I mean, I felt like I was adopted. Like, had teenage aggression towards my parents. Now, I would joke and tell my brothers they were adopted all the time. My sisters probably told me that before, but I don't know. Yeah, no, I've never felt like I was adopted. They rude. <laughs> <laughs> but no, she um once well, she's already having these feelings. Okay, I feel like I'm adopted. Mm-hmm. So once that happened, and then he sat up there and said Bessie Danker, and she reacted like that. Yeah, that made me automatically think, okay, she is adopted, and that lady's probably her mother. Now, see, for some reason, I didn't get that. And as me, John A, and I were talking in our research, we really didn't find too many movies that predated this one that had anything to do with evil children or anything of this subject matter, kind of. So. A lot of the tropes that we know and that we're familiar with now could have possibly stemmed from this movie. So when I seen that part, I kind of took it as I was thinking maybe Bessie Danker was someone that the mom might have bullied when she was younger. And maybe if the mom went to therapy like Monica did, maybe they like repressed those issues and she doesn't remember. But that triggered her to remember something. You know what what I'm saying? Yeah. So maybe like now Rhoda is going through the same thing the mom did. Like the sins of the mom or the sins of the child pay for the sins of the mom. Some whatever the hell the saying is. Y'all know what it is. We don't do nothing right here. So anyway. Yeah. It was just the fact that it was like, okay, you're bringing up adoption for a reason. Yeah. And then the fact that she perked up at that name, Bessie Mm -hmm. Dinker. I was like, okay. No. Like, she caught it, I didn't. So, Emery turns on the radio, and the announcer, and I actually like how they did this. Normally, nowadays, when we turn on radios, turn on TVs, it immediately, like, perfect timing immediately goes into whatever the heck we're supposed to hear. But here, it just kind of gives us some banter about the weather. Like, we just hear regular news forecasts, and then all of a sudden, we get breaking news that a kid has drowned at the school picnic, and everything just stopped. And they don't withhold the name, which, I mean, they withhold the name, which is normal. But then literally, probably like a minute or two later, they released that eight-year-old Claude Deagle had drowned. And then I noticed they just gave so many details. And I was trying to figure out, like, is this normal? So it appeared he had fallen off the pier that they were told not to go around earlier. And now the announcer's, like, giving all these details about how he has, like, these abrasions on his um, hands and on his head. But they think, like, it's from him, like, probably, like, sweeping up against the dock or something like that. I yeah, really... like the rocks or whatever yeah. they had called the rocks. I forgot mm-hmm. the name for it. Like, there are, like, in this movie, I had to really pay attention because it's a lot of words that they use to call things that we don't say. Anymore. Yeah, like, it's one really important one we'll bring up later that I had to literally write the word down, like, five times to remember the word for this show tonight. Everybody's finding out about um, Claude Daigle. And after the news report goes off, they just cut right back to the weather. Don't don't be doing so, that. 
look, <laughs> guys. So we're sitting next to a window, and I think somebody like pulled up, and their light might have did some weird stuff. No, okay. So I'm I don't look, know. I'm looking in the TV, and so it looks like there's like a unicorn on the whiteboard. But when I look on the white, yeah. So that's why I was looking. I'm trying oh. to. <laughs> Cause I'm like, okay, I'm like, this, girl, <laughs> there's nothing on the whiteboard. So where is that unicorn coming from? So that's what I was trying to figure. Out. <laughs> I'm like, what's over there? <laughs> Give me some. Okay. <laughs> so as I was saying, they just go straight. To, they don't say like our prayers are with the family or they just go straight to the news. Like this is just some. Oh yeah, this happens all the time. Hard headed kids. I mean, if you ever look at um. Our news articles, when someone does die, they go into that level of detail, too. Yeah. Well, see, that's what I was trying to... Okay. And you got to think... Because they it was so t- fresh. But also, they didn't have TVs. True. Did... Wasn't she watching? No. Okay, maybe Mm-mm. not. Maybe not. They weren't watching... They didn't have any TVs. And, you know, in the 50s, TVs were still slowly starting to roll out. Okay. So, you got a lot You're of right. your news correspondence, the weather, all that from right. the radio. Yeah, I think I just wasn't expecting him to lay out all those details just yet. I was thinking maybe, like, a few hours later, like, maybe later at night, they would have more details. Like, more details at 8, something like that. I don't know. They have a conversation. Well, fast forward. The adults pretty much are leaving the, their little lunch date or whatever. And Rhoda comes home because Chris is very concerned. As we said, Chris isn't very keen on the idea of murder. The idea of death just makes her cringy in general. So when Rhoda comes home, she's very concerned about her well-being. Like, my daughter witnessed, or I mean, you know, was in an area where murder happened. She doesn't know that she necessarily witnessed it or further yet. But she's just thinking about her daughter's well-being. So her daughter comes in, and the first thing Rhoda says is like... Can I go skating? <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Before that, she says, oh, yeah, we have, I'm so sad we had to cancel our school lunch. Oh, she was Sis. hungry. She asked for a peanut butter sandwich. Sis! Okay, it's like your classmate just died, and you're upset that they canceled the lunch? I mean, like... It's like, I feel you, but sis, it's a time and a place for that. Well, okay, I feel her too a little bit. Because it's like, sometimes, I don't know if it's because we see so many people die. That That we become desensitized to it. Yeah, so it's like. But I mean, like now, but I mean, that was then. Now. It's like, okay, they're dead. But I'm still hungry. So I I get it. I I get it. It's like I get it too, but that was then. I'm like then like no, that's that's a big a big A word red light. But I get it. That's a warning sign. It's like I get it too, but no. I'm like, does that make me sound like a psychopath? <laughs> but cuz it's like I get, I get it, it too, but I'm just you know what? Okay, let's move forward because I think we both sound crazy and people <laughs> Are probably you know turning the podcast off as we speak. Please stay with us. I promise this is a fun right? So she's talking to Rhoda, and Rhoda's just she's unfazed. She doesn't care. She wants her peanut butter jelly sandwich. She wants to go skate. She's just not phased by this at all. So Christine is starting to get a little unsettled by her behavior because she's just like. 
why are you acting like that? Rhoda even goes to tell her that she saw the body. Like, she was like, yeah, I saw them pull him out the water and lay him on the ground. And they try to make him breathe. It didn't work. It didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes. Like, she literally <laughs> says it just the way John A. just said it. Like, she literally says it like that. So, later on that night, we see Rhoda and she's just in her room. Okay. But before that. What happened? So, she gets her peanut butter sandwich. She goes outside to skate. Mm-hmm. Now, here comes Leroy again, you're right? Talking right. about the fact that the classmate just died. Here mm-hmm. she goes, switching up her attitude from mm-hmm. being that cute, sweet little girl yeah. to I don't care what you gotta say. Yes, <laughs> like see, it's like okay, so you know, you know how it's just that person that get around you and your whole mood just switch. No, you know what it is. What it's that creepy old man thing. Yes, it's like that guy at the gas station that tell you to smell. And you just trying to get your gas and go. But it's then, like okay, that. so the real creepy part that I didn't like was mm-hmm. the fact, I know I know that they said that he has the mind of an eight-year-old, but the fact that, because she, okay, Leroy was saying, oh, so you're not scared, you're not phased at the fact that your classmate just died, and she was like, well, he's dead, not me, and then she just skates oh, away. She, <laughs> no, she really, like, she just really, skated off. She like, really she said, just skated off. Like She said, he's dead, I'm not, and skated off. Like, just out. And Leroy had the nerve to say... I'm going to find a way to scare her. I did. Oh, he did say that. Why would you ever say that? Because he has the mind of an eight-year-old. Creep. Yes, it is. I'm not dismissing. <laughs> I'm not dismissing Leroy at all. But, but before, he has the mind of an eight-year-old. But before that, and he what did we do? Doors, just opening doors. Just, we didn't get to that part yet. Did he did Yeah, that, that was right before oh, that. Okay. Because he opened the door to come into the apartment to get the trash. But think about when we were little. Like, fourth, fifth grade, and we would be on recess. We used to do that boys against girls stuff, running around the playground, trying to, like, tag each other, scare each other and stuff. So, I mean, like, in that sense, it makes sense. But, yes, he is a grown A-man. So. Creep. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Because I literally wrote, I said, why is Leroy bothering this girl? It's kind of inappropriate. At least for his age, it is. But, I mean, it really was. So I, mean, I, get, I get the de- developmental issues. Mm-hmm. But, again, you're how old? And you sitting here talking about, oh, I'm going to scare her. Like, sir, what? I wish they would have told us, like, his actual age. I don't know if they did. I don't think they, like, tell Maybe us. Maybe in the novel. Maybe. We'll Which see. I didn't read. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think he was going to do that. Anyway, so later on that night, she's um in her bed. And this just made me think of simpler times. So Chris is reading a book. And I meant to see what the title was. It has something to do with a castle. I don't know what it is. It's some book. Anyway, Chris is reading her book. And in the book, she's just... it's. I tried to listen to see if there was any foreshadowing or anything. But not really. It was really just an innocent book. And Rhoda is, like, doing that thing where she's just, like, falling asleep. But she's not really asleep yet. So the mom tells her she needs to take her vitamins. And she goes ahead and she just talks about how vitamins are easy to swallow. And I'm listening to her child. And I'm like, this is very odd for an 8-year-old to say to somebody. And also that she likes whatever juice. Apricot juice. Yeah. I'm like, wait, first of, first, first of all. That's how you know they're in a different class. Who is drinking apricot juice? First of all, I don't even know if I even had an apricot. I don't need. Yeah, I don't even think I've ever even tasted one. I mean, I know what that color is just because of Crayola. But. I wonder what it tastes like. This is exactly what I mean by they're establishing like what type of class that they're in. Because 
I bet you if we did a survey, almost nobody would have tasted that before. That's just so random. And I don't even know if I've ever bought an apricot. <laughs> yeah, like I'm just like, like I wouldn't even what? know what to do with it. Like if I did, so. The next day we have, we wake up to Rhoda. She's playing that daggone song again, but at least she's very consistent. And it actually, she like, I better. noticed, yeah, I was about to say that. She actually got better. So I was wondering, oh my gosh. Uh, the same movie I thought about earlier just popped up in my head again, but we're not going to talk about it this month because she, it kind of doesn't qualify for the category. But did we even tell them what the category was this month? No, we didn't. We're terrible, guys. We'll get to it at the end. It's fine. We'll just keep going. <laughs> so, Miss Fern comes by, and she lets Chris know that the penmanship medal is lost. Hmm. Again, I don't like this lady. <laughs> so, Rhoda asks to go sit in the yard. And when she first does it, Miss Fern and Chris are, like, sitting. They're sitting in the living room, and they're talking. And Rhoda just comes out of her room like the piano just stops out of nowhere and she comes out her room and she asks if she can go play outside like under this little rotunda rotunda of sorts but not only that how did you conveniently stop playing when the penmanship uh, award yes because it was like they were talking for a while and she literally did not stop playing until they brought that metal up but it just tripped me out because i'm like that piano was loud like if you if you have a piano in your home have you ever play the piano those keys are very loud mm -hmm. so when you're playing like that it's very hard to hear and it's like this it's not like the piano's in the living room she's in her room first of all she has a piano in her room that wasn't even her room that Which was room was there's another room so it was like a room and then next to the room was like the door frame and then it was her room okay and then like you go down the hall and that was okay the so that's room. why she get okay so now that makes sense i thought she okay got it all right so she goes out to play in the yard and they continue their conversation, and Miss Fern mentions that Rhoda was the last to see Claude, and she was also badgering the poor kid for his penmanship award. And that's when Chris is just starting to get those cogs working in her head. And also, Miss Fern tells her, and I'm looking at Johnny, and I can just see that she's so over Miss Fern right now. I'm up. Uh, <laughs> she tells her say what that. You want to say. She tells her that one of the guards around the wharf identified Rhoda as the person he seen leaving. She had a dress on. It was very girly and two pigtails. And Rhoda, as we know, was the only girl pigtails. with the perfect, creepily perfect. <laughs> I just kept staring at her hair like, I have never seen pigtails laid like this. With a perfect part. Hair didn't move. Like, Pippi all. could never... Anyway, so <laughs> so Fern, so Miss Fern is kind of playing the role, and this is why Johnny doesn't like her. She's playing the fence, so she's saying that she's giving Chris all of these little tips, right? But she goes back and says, "I think it was just an incident, accident, and that Rhoda isn't just admitting to it." And she gives it some type of military reference, like um, I can't, I can't even think of what it was. Do you remember what it was? Mm -mm. I can't remember what it was. It wasn't like flying the coop, but she gives like a military reference as to what Rhoda is doing. It has something to do with just basically covering her footsteps and just manipulating everybody to just. But the thing what is, is like clearly Rhoda <laughs> didn't come home until her mom would happen. Right. So 
Mrs. Fern, you're supposed to be giving her that information, but you start telling her and then you backtrack and you start mm-hmm. telling her and then you backtrack. Just tell the mother what the heck is going on. Right. It also comes out that the school didn't ask Rhoda's family to pitch in for flowers. Yep. She's like, well, why didn't you ask us? And Miss Fern's like, well, I just thought that maybe you should get some yourself. And she's like, well, why should we do that? If everybody else in the school is donating, why, why can't we? So then it just really comes out. And this is just where I'm just like, I really just didn't know where this was about to go because I wasn't expecting it. Because Chris was very offended by this. I would be and offended too. I would too. I mean, I would too. But I'm just saying, Miss Fern basically let her know. She was like, your kid is bad as hell. And we don't want her to come back to school next year. Well, okay, so the thing is, is that Christine actually said at first, well, since you're accusing my child yeah. of committing murder, we're just not going to come back next year. And they were like, well, since you already said it, yeah, we agree, you can't come back. Basically, and I'm, <laughs> she probably, she probably felt good she said that. She probably came over there to say that, you know, people be scary, but they be wanting you to say something first so they could just be like, all right. But mm-hmm. anyway. I'm like, and can I have my check back then? I okay, because okay, I know that to win. <laughs> That's off the subject. I was going to say, I wonder, did they get that back? But probably not. You know how these schools be doing. Surprisingly, the Daigles actually followed Miss Fern to the um, to the apartment. And the missus is drunk. First of all, what type of drunk was that? First, oh, wait, I'm going to get to it. And I don't know if you caught it, but I caught something and it's coming up in just a little bit. And it had me on the floor. Like, I just want to know what kind of drunk was that what she like, was lit she just lost her baby okay she was like no, <laughs> not that drunk the way she was acting that was a whole different kind of dr- drunk like quote-unquote drunk because to me it wasn't it didn't seem like she was acting drunk really yeah what it seemed like to you because i mean maybe if you say it maybe i could see it more it was more so like she was kind of doing like a hillbilly type but see, do you think that was just because it was her character that was supposed to be like? I don't know, but it was weird because it was like, okay, you kind of like know what a drunk person acts like. Clearly. Oh, yes. But like <laughs> even in other movies, drunk people act different. And she, yeah. the way that she was acting was different than mm-hmm. most drunk actors. Um, I will, I will say she was very coherent. Now, I don't know if it's because it was the 50s and it was that time period and she was probably just trying to play a role. Maybe. But that, that was weird. So, because it didn't seem like she was drunk. So, she, yeah, that's what I said. Like I said, she was very coherent in the things that she was saying. But as Johnny also said, and I've also said earlier, this was based off of play. So a lot of the acting is very dramatic and obviously you have to get through the lines in whatever condition you're supposed to be in. So Miss Daigle comes in and she basically leads with talking about how cruel kids can be. She mentions that her name is Hortense. Hortense. <laughs> what kind of, these names. See, but Hortense. see, exactly. See, we just started sniggling and giggling as soon as <laughs> I didn't even names. finish the name. But she goes on to say that kids basically teased and berated her for her first name so she absolutely knows how mean kids she can be and she just ends up going off because she wants answers as to what happens to her son like she's but been even before that it was like a whole class discussion yeah like versus... she goes around and she's looking at everything that they have in their house for some reason um their but... last name is slipping my head for right now for some... no pinmark 
There we go. Oh. She's looking at the Pinmark's house and looking at how they have all this fancy, like, dishware and serving trays for their drinks. And, and then talking about how she wouldn't be picked for a wife and all this other mm-hmm. type of stuff. It, it was just a lot more. First of all, your husband is in the room. First of all, why did, why the heck did he let his drunk wife... <laughs> Traverse the streets to go confront somebody, and then just gonna stand there in the corner. He really did with his head, just holding his little head. Like now I know that your wife runs you. Okay, (laughs) and you just gonna stand there and let her make a fool of herself. Granted, she's grieving and she's drunk, but you let her. like what so in her drunken rage they end up and like i said this is very play format so miss daigle has a seat mr daigle is still standing in the corner holding his daggling head and she goes she was like you know miss fur and colors your hair you think she deserved that shade yeah <laughs> she deserved every bit of that shade so now you guys have to think back in this time oh she this also is said when she was woman, a hairdresser yes so miss daigle's a hairdresser and i guess apparently at that time that wasn't the most favorable job it was supposed to be something you were supposed to be ashamed of but i'm like sis you need to well, come to I this century because they're coming the, up well i think the fact that christine didn't work mm-hmm. clearly she was a stay-at-home mom mm-hmm. so the fact that she had uh mrs daigle had to be a hairdresser yeah. and work for the things that she owned and she kept saying that like yeah. you're dressed so nicely and i had to, i can never wear anything like that you she so, oh you're just it's just right. simple yeah well, you're right you make simple things look great i couldn't wear anything mm-hmm. simple. so it's like you're supposed to be trying to figure out what happened to your son but you're sitting there comparing on everything else right and this goes this actually takes us into her bringing up her son because she talks about and i'm not sure because i could be jumping ahead but she talks about how she felt like her son she knows like he didn't come from all of this that you guys come from but he was just as good enough as your girl and that in fact he was actually better because he won the penmanship he won the penmanship award but she also goes to say that when she pinned his award on him that morning, it fell off. So she kind of, you know how moms do. Moms are very crafty. I don't know if it's just something that happens when you become a mom that you just get hella crafty. Actually, no, because I'm already crafty. Yes, I was about to say, I'm already very crafty. I think that's something I inherited from my Nana, though. Yeah. Because my mom told me, she was like, I don't know where you got this creativity from, but I don't have She gets crafty, and she kind of like... She does something to the pen to where it won't fall off. So, like, you had to actually, mm-hmm. like, take it off. It wouldn't fall off. So, she's making that point, And now, you know, they're bringing up this metal again. And we're just like, okay, so something's happening. We take it to um, a scene where we cut straight to Mr. Penmark. And we see he's in D.C. Wait, before that, though, do you see how homegirl tried to fall asleep on her couch? Yes! Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, so... In in drunk fashion, Miss Daigle gets drunk. Like, we knew she was drunk. And she just goes, well, maybe I just need to lie down. And sis just literally... They laid out on Mrs. Penmark's couch. But see, it was the way... First of all, okay, so Mr. Daigle comes over and tries to get her up. But it's the way Mrs. Penmark gets her up for me. Like She was like, she was she was like, like okay. Her, like, yeah. Get off my couch. I'm messing on my pillow. Right. Oops. Okay, no, we don't do porn. Where are my wet whites? Okay. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I feel so bad for her. I felt bad for her too. And then Mrs. Then Miss Miss Fern gonna sit up there and get up and look like, okay, well, 
I guess I guess this nice is my cue to leave. leave. I guess the scene is over. <laughs> and then Miss Penmar looked like she on the verge of tears. She was like, I feel so bad. The lady got to deal with her son's death for the rest of her life. And Miss Fern just looking at her like, yeah, I guess so. And then walks out the door. Yeah. I do not like that lady. She must not have kids. No. She's a spinster. Oh. <laughs> Okay, back on the ride. <laughs> Clearly, I watched too many old movies. Okay, back on the ride. All right, so Miss Daigle leaves, and we go to a scene where we see Mister um, Pinmark. He's in D.C. He's at work, and he asks about the incident down at the lake because I'm assuming somehow he heard about it. And the mom, this was her key to say something to him. Like even if she didn't have a suspicion about Rhoda, she could have said something, and she says nothing. And he says that, yeah, so I'll be gone for the next four weeks. You guys will be all right. We'll check in to each other, and that's it. So Aunt Monica comes by again, and she comes by to collect Rhoda's locket. So this is where, I'm not sure where Rhoda is at this point. I think she might have been outside or something like that. So Chris goes in Rhoda's room because she knows where she keeps the locket, and she goes in her little jewelry box, her treasure chest, whichever you want to call it, and she finds the locket. She also finds something else. That dang on penmanship award. That dang on metal. So she goes ahead and she gives Monica the locket and they have a little back and forth. And she goes back and she looks at the metal. And the whole time I'm like, I wonder if she gonna like do something. But to my surprise, Chris takes off out of that room and down that hallway. And I just knew. I said, dang, Rhoda about to get beat. So she goes off and she meets Rhoda. And I'm not sure, like, if she met up with her outside or if, like, Rhoda came in the house. So she yelled at their window, told Rhoda that she needs to come in because she wanted to talk to her. Yeah. And then Rhoda was like, well, can I just finish this page? Which gives her the perfect time for someone to call. Who is it that calls her? I can't remember. I don't think it's really that important. So she comes in and she asks her about the metal. And Rhoda just tries to charm her sweet little way out of it. Like, she's just doing everything. Like, she's touching her face. Oh, oh mommy, my pretty mother. I have a beautiful mom. So she All of that stuff. Just trying to butter her up to make her see that this is her perfect angel. And she can do any wrong. But Chris is seeing through it today. She ain't going for it today. And Rhoda admits to being on the wharf. But she said that she wasn't bothering Claude. She lies and says that she was looking at like some oysters that some kids had pointed out that were like on the wharf or something. How real is a straight up liar? She just lies. Like just literally went with it. And, and I her mama knows that she a liar because she says that she's a liar. Like. Mm-hmm. Yes, and see, that's so it goes into as we were talking about in the beginning of the movie when um, Monica was doting on um, Rhoda and Chris was just in the back looking like girl like my daughter's great but she's not that great my daughter's like, a liar yeah okay <laughs> so she um Rhoda's basically doing everything she can to get the focus off of her and she just continues to lie and just charm her way out like the way that she switches from very sweet to very upset is very unnerving 
Like in one second, she's doing the whole, my whole beautiful mommy thing. And maybe we can go do this later to screaming how she doesn't want her mom to call Miss Fern because she actually lied to Miss Fern. Superb acting. Yeah, she was like, no, the little girl who plays, um, I think her name is Patty McCormack. Mm -hmm. I might be pronouncing that wrong, but she does amazing. Like, it's not like the typical child actor we get today or in the past times. I don't want to give a specific era, but it's not like that at all. Like, it's actually believable because you want to, sometimes you want to slap her. Sometimes you feel bad slightly. And then sometimes it's just like two Oscar noms. Oh, yes. And she says that she paid called 50 cent to get his medal. Like her story is just consistently changing and adding just all these little toppings to the story. And I'm wondering like, okay, but where does she get 50 cent? Do you really think that this is going to work? Like, all these stories you're telling. So, at this point, all of this talking leads back to Rhoda's room. And Chris is looking around because at this point, she really doesn't know what to believe. And it's at this point where this crystal ball... I don't know if you guys... Because I really don't know if it's called a crystal ball. It's like... It's a globe. A globe. Okay, Like the little uh, snow globes. So, this globe is like the one that doesn't have the water in it, though. It, like, might have, like, a dolphin or a fish or a bird in it, but it doesn't really have the water. It's just kind of all, like, that glass material. So, it's one of those. And she looks at it, and she, apparently, they used to live in Wichita before they moved here. And she brings up what happened to the older neighbor. And Rhoda goes ahead, and she says, I accidentally slipped. But then we find out she slipped on purpose. Like she literally slipped oh, nasty and little pushed. Oh my gosh! She <laughs> fell into her after she slipped on some ice that was down on the stairs because the lady promised her the globe after she died, or if something happened to her. So Rhoda said, basically, I can't wait. So we're gonna th- get the things we want now. So now this is real where Chris is really putting two and two together. So she pulls the mom card. And threatens to call Miss Fern, as we said earlier. And this makes Rhoda lose it. Like, she's not having it. She does not want her to call Miss Fern because she knows that everything's going to fall down to pieces. So Rhoda is still concerned about this medal, unfortunately. Chris doesn't want to believe her perfect girl is a murderer. And it's just all too much. So the next day, Kenneth sends Rhoda a tea set. Did you have a tea set as a kid? You didn't? I did. No, I'm like, you think it was, too hard. I had to think about it. It was a, like, it was a pink and white china tea set. It was like a mini tea set. Mm-hmm. And I had it at my nanny's house, and now I put, like, water in it. Yeah. And drink out Look, of it. I wrote, I said, oh, dad sent wrote a tea set. He know bad bitches only. Because <laughs> for real, no, if you had a tea set when you was little, you was. Yeah, I had a tea set. We the ones that's doing it now. So, anyway, here comes Leroy. He sees right through Rhoda. He's, like we said, he has the mind of an eight-year-old. So that's why he's the one who can kind of see through Rhoda's antics versus the adults. And he comes to say, like, he's bantering her, basically saying, like, I know that you killed Claude and you beat him with a stick and you took his medal and you pushed him off the wharf and you washed the stick and threw it off in the woods. And then this is where he goes to say, well, you know that they have bloodhounds that can sniff out blood even if you washed it off. And they have a little light that'll make it turn blue. Like and blue he's just powder. messing with it. But her. that made me think about in the 50s, did they really have that technology in the 50s? I have no idea. Because I thought that like DNA stuff wasn't 
Because if he was on to something, he was on to something. Because, I mean, that's pretty much what it is. I really don't know. We have to look that up. Well, yeah, that is. Now it's like a black light. That's why. Like, that and the, see, that's what I was thinking about blue light. Because when you t- when you put on a black light, it's either like purple or blue. Yeah, but I remember I did take a forensic science class mm-hmm. um, in high school in the summer, and so they did have like a little powder thing that you could put on a surface, but not for blood, but like for fingerprints. So yeah. I don't know about the whole blue powder thing, but yeah. I was like. Did they have that? Right. I'm like, he's... But see, but the thing is, he's triggering her, though, because she's, like... Like, in... A social... Like, she's... (laughs) She... At first, she was really good about keeping a poker face, but when he said the thing about they can find blood regardless, that's when she kind of gets triggered, because she's just kind of, like... And then, again, she easily goes from being, um, innocent and sweet to, like, I don't care what you gotta say, Leroy. I ain't trying to hear it. You are a liar. Right, you sit on the throne of lies. Right, so no, she was like, "With the lies, you'll tell. You'll never get in heaven like that." So then, like, it's to the point that Leroy has pissed Rhoda off that she takes the Excelsior, and this is one of those words. When they said that, I was like, "What?" Basically, hey, yes, and, it's, it's kindling that the you packaging put. that you put in the package so stuff doesn't get messed up. The, and back then it was hey. Yeah, so she takes the Excelsior and she throws it at him. And she tells him to take his Excelsior. And she's like, I know where you sleep. You sleep down in the cellar with the Excelsior and make yourself a little bed and Behind sleep there. The yeah, like, and see, I'm thinking, you know how kids are dicks. So I'm thinking she's just saying some stuff. But then he really took the Excelsior. Yeah, away. in the next scene, we see, like, he really, like, and I wrote in my notes, I said, oh, wow, he really sleeps there. Yeah. Because <laughs> I wasn't, I really thought she was, because they say, like, he. He has a family, but apparently he just sleeps there when he's supposed to be working. When he's supposed to be working, so Rhoda asks ask her mom about this whole blood thing. You know how kids do when they hear something, they try to like sweetly ask. So you but don't look, think too now much. I'm glad that before she goes in the house and asks her mom of that, mm-hmm. I'm actually glad her mom actually finally said something about Leroy being a creep because she said, "I'm gonna report you. Stop talking to my daughter." She does. She because. She hears her out the window. He, she hears their conversation out the window. Why she? And then she sees him walk yeah. from her. Like, what do you, why are you? Yeah, like, why are you even child? around my child? So, when she asks her about the blood thing, Chris is like, "Well, you know, I can ask Miss Fern." And once again, Rhoda freaks out. Like, do Mr. not, oh, do yeah, not Ms. call Miss Fern. So that's when, like you said, she was like, "Well, okay, well, I can ask Mister Tasker when he comes when he comes over because he's a crime writer or investigator, one of those." So that happens. Mister Tasker is basically coming over for dinner, and she asks him, "Would a child commit murder?" Like. Can are children capable of committing murder, or is this something like they grow into? Basically, they're pushing the whole nature versus nurture thing. Like Chris really wants to excuse that this can be genetic. Like she wants to know that she wants to hear that this is learned behavior. She doesn't want to believe like this is hereditary. Well, well, at what. In that situation, it can't be learned because she grew up in a perfect environment. Exactly. So that's why it's not making sense to Chris because it's like we give her everything she wants. Yeah, like, like she's spoiled to the nines. Like everybody is just gushing over how perfect she is. Like what could possibly make my child this? 
Yeah. That's why she wants to hear that it's not hereditary. And that's why she wants to hear that this has to be a learned behavior. Like, this has to be... Well, nah. At this point, she knows that it's hereditary because it can't be learned. Yeah. In that situation. True. This is true. So, um, Tasker recalls a... Well... Before that, before that, Grandpa comes. So they were waiting for Grandpa to come. I guess um, Grandpa and Tasker are both, like, into crime. Yeah, Tasker came first. Then Grandpa Mm -hmm. showed up. And then Tasker left. He stayed for a little bit because, remember, they talked about it a little bit. Yeah, they had talked about it a little bit, and then he had left. Because, oh, you know what? Because Grandpa was a part of that conversation about Mm -hmm. it being hereditary. You're right. So and then that's when, also when I peeped that I knew that the whole adoption thing was coming yep, up too. Yep, that's right where I'm because at. So he, Bessie Danker comes back up. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, when Tasker brings up Bessie Danker, he look up from his drink, look like he about mm-hmm. to choke on an ice mm-hmm. cube. <laughs> so Bessie Danker comes back up. And as Shawnee says, like, it's like that, oh, shoot, like everybody in the room is just like... But I knew he was guilty mm-hmm. of hiding something because he had that shocked look on his but face. But he also said that he covered the cases and he forgot the details. You don't forget stuff like that. But you also, know something. Well, because he popped, he perked up when Tasker had mentioned that Bessie Danker ran away to Australia. But then there was and, a rumor that she had a little girl, mm-hmm. and then he perked up. Yeah. And that's when it clicked again like mm-hmm. okay this is her daughter so dad wants to know why chris is so curious about this subject like he knows his daughter well we'll talk about that later he knows his daughter and he's like you don't even like murder like why do you want to write about this all of a sudden so First he knows all, something is wrong i'm mad that he shaded her talking about she can't even write <laughs> you don't think that was just like some daddy daughter teasing no no that he the way that he said it mm-hmm. that was not teasing it was more condescending than teasing basically saying that she can't write dang i mean and then you know and i like, hate saying it was the 50s but you know how they treat no that women. no like and that's actually true though because my nana graduated high school in the 50s and she didn't continue on after high school really she, yeah she only has a high school education mm, i never knew that yeah that was a time a real time so chris confesses to her dad that she believes she's adopted and she believes that Rhoda might have inherited an illness that couldn't have come from these parents that she knows like these model sentences I I don't think they really say anything about the mom briefly what do, do you remember um not okay so um about to jump ahead actually so i know he mentioned the mom when he finally admits to the fact that Mm -hmm. she is adopted right i mean you can go ahead and take this part so you know this part way better than me when she okay so she basically she goes on a tangent talking about her dream to her father saying you know i keep having this reoccurring dream about where i'm two years old and i get thrown out of a window my brother dies and all this other type of stuff and the dream is so vivid and you hear she's like i hear my mother calling my name from the bushes and she says the name but the thing is how are you two and having re- remember such vivid such vivid things. things from being two like being thrown out a window mm-hmm. hiding in the bushes that you know that your brother died and that mm-hmm. your mother was a horrible person and all that so after she goes she has to spiel about the dream 
the father finally perks up and is, tells the truth and that's when he finally does mention the mother and mm-hmm. says that when he was on the case that he actually rang for the mom to come out and that's when they actually took her yeah. because the neighbors had found her in the bushes or whatever mm-hmm. and they also had said her real name too which was a weird name it was I think like it was Inga like Egod or, or yeah. Igod or something it was, it was a something with an IE one of those I just couldn't catch it and it's like when you do research on this movie it's no help trying to find specific details so chris starts to admit to her father that she feels that rhoda is a bad seed and oh no 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 it's not to um her father her father actually actually no 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 no. she did admit to her father that she thought she does she was a bad seed she does and this is when monica interrupts and comes in soon as um chris starts to kind of like get into details Monica comes in with Rhoda and says, like, you know, like, she's done all her activities and she's eating all her food. She's ready to come back home. So the grandpa is, like, assessing her, but in a way that, you know, kind people do. Yeah, (laughs) like, you know, like, she knows, like, something's, like, off, but she's a kid. Like, I mean, it's Rhoda, so she might be on to him. But as a kid, you know, it's just a little weird. But... He's just like, you know, I just wanted to get a good look at you. Which makes sense because it's not like he sees her all the time. But as he leaves, he looks at Chris and he's like, no, like, I don't I don't see evil in her eyes. Which is freaking crazy because I can look at that girl's bangs and tell. Her bangs were cut crooked. Her bangs, I could tell. They like, they look like, like this. Yes! They like, man, like, man dark. Like this. <laughs> like, they, it's lit. Like, I know you guys can't see me, but... If I ever say evil girl bangs, like I bet that oh you see gosh. the bangs that are like they come into a V close to the head and like literally a V to the middle Basically, of your eyebrows. Think of a widow's peak, but that goes all the way down to your eyebrows. Yes, like those are her bangs. I mean, they were laid, but no evil hashtag evil girl bangs. Anyway, so later that Mr. I think hmm? Mr. Tasker's a creep too because before he left, oh my God, we didn't even talk all of the creepiness that these men display. Go ahead. She smiled at Mr. Tasker and gave a curtsy like a proper young lady, and he had no. The nerve but but to before say, that, she was like, "Oh, you like when little girls curtsy?" I was like, "Exactly, exactly." Because he was like, oh, that's a smile that would make a man happy or something like that. And she was like, oh, you like when little girls curtsy? And then she curtsied again. And then he just like strokes her little pigtail. And then when she went out the door, she flung the pigtail behind her back. Yeah. like, like So she was like, well, I won't be here. I'll be with Aunt Monica upstairs for dinner. And he was like, well, it'll be our loss. But as he says it, he like strokes her little ponytail. Kind of like a boy would do if he's like brushing your hair Creepy. behind your ears you are a like grown that. man talking about an eight-year-old be making a man happy right so That's we were talking thing. about like you know at the time that was acceptable but now it's like I we're watching it, it now and 50s. it's like why was it though in the 50s i still don't think it was acceptable. yeah like why was it even like why would you even as a like now i understand that older men compliment younger girls whether they be like in the family and there's a correct way to do it but that that's definitely not so it. but okay so here's the thing now n- not eight years old but like still in the 50s in the 50s they didn't even have 11th they didn't have a 12th grade really mm-hmm. so i was a couple of weeks ago i was sitting with my great uncle and he went to um it was called parker gray it doesn't exist anymore in alexandria virginia and at the time when my nana graduated high school and my papa graduated high school 
they gradu they graduated in 11th grade. Mm -hmm. So here you are, 15, 16 years old, graduating from high school Sheesh. and then going into the real world. Yeah. So then my great uncle, he got pissed off because I think it was his the year that he was supposed to be a senior, mm -hmm. they were like, oh, we're going to add another grade. So that's when they decided to add 12th grade. Can you imagine you about to graduate and they're like, yeah, one more year. Because I think that's when they started to realize that maybe you're not ready to be an adult. Well, because well, somebody was, did. Right, because it was like you're 15 16, 16, 15, 16 years old and you can't really work for real or you are working for real. So mm -hmm. it's like, They need it was to weird. add college to that. I mean, okay. <laughs> anyway, so later on that night, we see Chris is in the living room and oh, she's... I didn't make the point that I was trying oh, to make. Shoot. Sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. No, the Sorry. point that I was trying to make was that at eight, I think the age difference of looking at someone yeah. for marriage was a little bit lower. <laughs> so that's weird that it's weird that like sixteen you could be ready for marriage back then. Yeah. But at eight years no. old you're being looked at. So I just still don't think it's acceptable. Like it's like they're grooming you for that. Yeah, I still don't think it's acceptable because she was eight years old. Yeah, it's but not. I I see it, but it's still right. weird. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. No, you're fine. <laughs> so later that night, Chris is doing you know late night maintenance stuff as you would do, and we see Rhoda's little butt sneaking out her room. First of all, she had to. I think she had her dress on still. Or one of her dresses on. So it's like, ma'am, we can see you. So Chris catches her. And I'm like, I'm loving Chris as a mom. Because she's just not letting any of this nonsense slide. So she catches Rhoda. And it's something behind her back. And we see that Rhoda is trying to take her shoes to the incinerator. Because they were used as the murder weapon. And this is where, ultimately, Rhoda confesses to murdering Claude. Christine wants answers. She's super hysterical at this oh, point. Oh, did you see that she's about to beat her? She was shaking her, and then she, like, caught herself and yes. put her arms for her, behind her back? Yes. And I was like, you got... Ooh, like, she you, was you showing restraint because soon... I mean, like, okay, now, like I said, we aren't parents. However, I can't speak for John Day, but I grew up in a house where I definitely got whoopings. Now... <laughs> So I'm guessing John A did too. So <laughs> as far as when I'm a parent, I really don't know. I can't say that I will or won't. I'm pretty sure there are probably things that with will the way, warrant. Look, with the way that uh, they call in parent, calling the police on parents nowadays. Right. And that's exactly why. I'm pretty sure there are some things that will probably warrant a pop or something. I don't know. I, I can't really speak on that. Yeah. Like, exactly. I don't know. Some medieval torture devices i don't know anyway christine wants answers and rhoda goes on and spins more stories about how claude gave her the medal but claude starts to run away because i guess he was gonna tell and rhoda went after him and she hit him because she didn't want him to tell and she continued to hit him because he started screaming and she didn't want anybody to scream i mean she don't want anybody to scream she didn't want anybody to hear him but what does rhoda do right after she tells her this I have such a beautiful mommy. She's so pretty. She's just trying to butter so her up. Everything, like literally. But then she keeps going. Christine wants more answers. And Rhoda goes on to admit that she was like, well, why did he have crescent-shaped marks on his hands and on his forehead? Rhoda, what did you do? And she goes, I stumped him back down in the water. He was trying to get back up. <laughs> like, sis was re relentless. <laughs> like, ma'am. Like, I'm pretty. Sociopath. Something is wrong, okay, child? So anyway, 
So she um, continues to charm her way out of things. But Chris is just sending her to bed. She's just like, I can't handle this right now. This is too much. So this is where... Oh, this is when she told her to go ahead and burn them shoes. Yes, this is where she goes ahead and tell her, just, you know, just burn the shoes. Just do it. And she watches her from afar burn the shoes. So this is where we move on to the next day. And once again, Leroy is not supposed to be talking to Rhoda. Creep alert. But he is, and he tells her, Rhoda tells Leroy that she burnt the shoes. And I'm like, why would you tell him that? Like, he's telling her, he's berating her again about this stick. And she goes, well, okay, shows what you know, because I actually use shoes and I burnt them. But I'm like, why would you, sis? Like, you wasn't supposed to tell him that. So, she goes, he also, like, he, at this point, he was like... I was kidding. Like, I really didn't even know you did that for real. But now I know you did that. So, Leroy knows, like, he went too far at this point. Like, the way the way he was shook when but, she said that. Okay, keep going. Go ahead. <laughs> so, he keeps, um, at this point, he's just backing away. And Chris comes back. And kind of finds them together and kind of yells at him again and shoots him off. Okay, but before that, she is yelling because he was like, oh, I took the shoes. I got the shoes now. And she's She's yelling at him. Give me my shoes. Give me my shoes. Like, yeah, like, like, I'm surprised, like, the rest of the, like, does nobody else stay in a Like, that's all she would say was give me my shoes. Like, she's yelling. So I'm surprised. It's like, I wasn't surprised that Chris came about, but I feel like she was coming from, like, running errands or something. Yeah, she went to the grocery store. Okay, so, yeah. So I'm like, why didn't anybody else hear this? eight-year-old screaming but give me my shoes low-key aunt monica did hear it because you she peeked her head out like when chris came out though so i'm like this girl was screaming this whole time because i'm like if somebody's saying (laughs) give me my shoes you really don't know what context that's in she could be getting robbed for all we know and all you adults i mean we only really know of i feel like she was listening the whole entire time but only said something once she saw Christine. Okay, I'll accept that. So, but here's the thing, though. What? I'm trying to figure out. I get he has mental issues, mm-hmm. but how the hell are you scared of a little girl? Do you, have you seen Rhoda? Uh, but girl, you can drop kick her. Okay, and she gonna come back <laughs> and kill you. Like <laughs> we gonna be going toe to toe. Okay. <laughs> watching your back so i'm like how are you scared of a little girl like he looked definitely terrified of her he he was when he found out that it was real he thought she was playing but here that's what i'm saying like you a grown ass man scared of a little girl i can see it for him so anyway (laughs) so as john a said this is when um monica decides to peek her little head out and says that rhoda's um necklace is ready and she comes back to bring it down to give it back to her. But Rhoda wants to excuse herself because the ice cream man is outside. And she wants a popsicle. And Sis goes outside for a popsicle and tries to slyly grab a handful of matches. Which Chris stops her hot in her tracks, no pun intended. And tells her, like, what, what do you even need those for? Like, Sis, put those back. So she puts them back. However. So you think. <laughs> she keeps three. And I was I was trying to figure out like if it was any significance in her having three, but clearly this was in the fifties, so movies weren't doing that just yet. But then I was just like, why are those there? Why are those matches just sitting there? Mm, like why wouldn't you have cigarettes. that? But but I mean yeah, but why wouldn't you have? But but then no, because remember that one scene they had lighters when they were smoking the cigarettes. 
He but was like, you want to like Doc? The grandpa and Tasker? True. Because, I mean, yeah, okay, I'm but not like saying candles, just because you have okay. a lighter, you can't so have like, matches. But those are the men, though. The men had the lighters. True. Okay. 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 Still, if you got kids, you don't need to have stuff like that out. So, anyway... So, um, this is where, uh, Especially Mon- if not you or me as a child. Yo, okay. This, you know what? Actually, I take that back because I definitely knew where matches were. Exactly. Okay, I take it back. And then even me as an adult in college when we were, uh, in the circles <laughs> and I would have the lighter and my ex-boyfriend would be like, Johnny, give me that lighter. Because I'll be sitting there just flicking the blick, like. I do, but see, it's something calming about that. I okay, like let's lighter. not get off. <laughs> it's something very calming about just flicking like, lighters. But anyway, um, this is where uh, Chris is just talking to Monica about, like, how she's been feeling. Because Monica is noticing, like, something is off with Chris. Like, she don't know what it is, but it's something. But it's just, like, Monica is calling out Chris's behavior because to her it seems very erratic and just unnormal. But who do we have come show up again? It is Miss Daigle, and she is very drunk. Or... Like, even more drunk than she was the first time. And this time, she's really out of line because she wants to talk to Rhoda. I didn't touch on that little girl. Yeah, she wants to talk to Rhoda. So, Miss Dago calls Rhoda the perfect little girl and continues to call out the status of the family. Like, saying, like, you guys have all these perfect things and everybody loves your daughter and they think she's the perfect angel. And in comes Rhoda with her little popsicle and Miss Deagle lays it on thick, like... She's just grabbing her and, like, brushing her head. And, and she, Rhoda is just, like... I mean, she was fine with it until she started asking too many questions. And then she yeah. was like, can I have a popsicle now? And then Monica but quickly see, ushered her out the room. But see, before that, did you peep when Miss um, Dago was, like, holding Rhoda that Chris turns around? It's like, so the camera is, like, focused on Miss Dago and Rhoda. But if you, like, look... Chris is standing in that back because you know it's like a play so yeah. they're like blocked on the stage but Chris is in the back and she just turns around because she can't even like watch because she knows because she knows yeah I saw that she knows, she knows she knows that she can't sit there and just watch her kid but, okay like, but why would you let your child stay in that situation yeah I'm like why would like, you even let her touch her and why did it take Aunt Monica to yeah say, well also she was kind of distraught before that happened so she I, I was get it. but still i'm but, like i wouldn't even my child wouldn't even gotten in arm's length like, of that lady because i don't know what she would have done to her monica takes rhoda away because monica's just like yeah that was way too much but before they come back miss <laughs> daigle sets me off because she was like listen i know you think it's because i'm lit and she literally says lit and i paused the movie i said wait I rewind it. I'm like, no, she really said lit. I said, oh, okay. That's how you guys talk back in the 50s. I like it. I can dig it. So Mr. Daigle finally comes and finds his wife. Apparently, they were at the pharmacy or something like that. Yeah. And she, like, slipped away. Oh, because like, they you? called. They called. Oh. And was like, is she here? And Christina was like, yeah, she's here. And then he came. Yeah. I'm like, how did you lose track of your wife? So Chris goes ahead. Oh. After everyone leaves, Chris goes ahead and calls Kenneth. And this is a time, I guess, I don't know if this was for all calls or just because he's, um, no, that's he has not, a profession he has. No, I think this that, was at the time. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of like a party line, but not really. Mm-hmm. So, okay. It's not a party line because party line, you pick up and you care everybody. Mm-hmm. But at that particular time, Zoom. 
<laughs> not Zoom. At that particular time, if you dial zero, the operator can direct you to anybody that you want to talk to. Okay. So I yeah. don't think it was because if you think like with the telephone companies, they had the operator, like say for instance, here in Baltimore mm-hmm. would have to connect you to the operator in Richmond, Virginia. To get to D.C.? To talk to who? No, I'm saying. Oh. Like, okay. okay, So if we're in the 50s. I thought we was talking to Kenneth in D.C. That's what I was like. Sorry, not Kenneth in D.C. Like, say you're trying to reach somebody who's in Richmond, Virginia, and you're here in Baltimore. Okay. So... In order, the, you will call the operator, and the operator mm-hmm. here in Baltimore will have to connect you to the operator, operator in Richmond, Richmond. and okay. the operator in Richmond will have the switchboard that connect you to whoever you want to talk to. That's how the that's how the phones work back then. This is what okay. Never mind. I'm not gonna say that. That's very insensitive. <laughs> that's that's really <laughs> how phones work back then. So Chris is calling Kenneth, and she decides with all that time that she was connecting operators and stuff. She had time to think this over. She decides that she's not going to tell Kenneth anything. Kenneth knows about Claude drowning, but obviously he doesn't know that anybody suspects Rhoda. He doesn't know about anything that's going on right now. So she just decides to keep this to herself. And Monica comes back and tells her that she let Rhoda get a second popsicle. But Chris is like, well, that's odd for her. And when you think about it, it is because Rhoda's like the perfect little lady. So why... And this is very, I, I don't want to say this like this, so I'm not trying to trigger anybody when I do say this. But why would she ask for a second helping when that's not something that she would normally do? So her mom is just like, uh. That's when I knew she was setting that fire. Yeah, I'm like, something like, why would she ask to do that? So Monica and then. Screaming. <laughs> Monica then just, you know, she just brushes off the little statement and she goes ahead and she gives Christy sleeping pills. And I feel like there was another bottle too, but I didn't really catch yeah, the Yeah, it was sleeping pills and, vi- and vitamins. And she was saying that they were both clearly marked. We just hear ear piercing screams. You want to hear something funny? Very off subject. While I was watching this movie, during that exact part, there was a police chase outside. And I guess apparently, like, some of my neighbors over on this side were outside and I guess the car ran through there. So they were screaming too. So this watching this scene was very crazy because I'm like, why does this sound like this? <laughs> but the whole time it was actually people screaming outside because the car was like zooming down the street. Mm-hmm. I think it was a kid in the street and like they like pulled him out the street. Like he's fine. But it was too crazy, and it was weird. PJ was like, you didn't hear nothing? I was like, no, they were screaming on the TV, so I thought that was that. But anyway, they're hearing these screams, and Rhoda just walks in in the midst of all these screams, no popsicle in her hand, by the way, and goes to her room and starts playing that piano, and she's playing the song. So the adults, they're at the window, and we see that the cellar that Leroy stays in is on fire. So the men, I believe, is Emery and Mr. Tasker, they're going to extinguish the fire and by the time they get the cellar appears to be locked so they're trying to pry it open with shovels and different gardening tools and by the time they get it open Leroy comes out but he's ablaze and we don't see it in the movie I was actually kind of sad about that and I forgot it's the 50s yeah like we I know that don't sounds see so crazy yeah I said that I was sad that I didn't see this man on fire right but <laughs> so all we do is we just get a cut of Chris and she just goes it's too late but you still don't really know like I didn't know if she was talking about Leroy or was she talking about Rhoda because I knew obviously at that point she knew that it was her but I'm like I just wasn't sure who she was talking about yet so <clears throat> excuse me that probably smelled horrible 
Hmm. I said that probably smelled horrible. Oh, his burning body? Mm-hmm. Burning flesh does smell bad. Not that I would know, but it does smell I bad. I watch a lot of CSI. Right, that's what I was saying. Bones and crime <laughs> shows and movies that, like, mm. So, the entire time this scene is going on, Chris and Monica, well, Chris is freaking out. Monica is trying to console her. Rhoda's in her room playing that, playing that thing, playing that song. But see, what I really like about this scene is that at first Rhoda's just playing it normal. But as the scene gets even more dramatic and more dramatic, the song is getting faster and, and it's getting louder and louder. And it's just like, it's at the point, like, it just feels like it's way too much going on to the point where you just gotta, like, take a second. So... The whole time that this is going on, Chris is, like, telling Monica, like, she knew all along and she should have did something. And Monica's thinking, like, Chris is, like, having a moment because her baby almost, like, had near-death experiences twice in a week. But Chris is, like, basically telling her, like, I know my kid is, like, a bad seed. Like, it's something wrong with her. So it's to the point that, Mon- I mean, not Monica, Chris just can't take it. And she's like, she's just in there playing that music and two people have died. I just watched the man walk on fire and she's just in there playing that piano. I can't take it. She goes to the room and the music just stops. Everything stops and Rhoda comes out and she's like, what's wrong, mommy? And Chris loses it. Like, I thought she was about to beat that little girl. But luckily, Emery comes in and basically tells the two that the fire was put out and basically says what we all know. The Excelsior caught on fire while Leroy was sleeping. And they're suspecting maybe a cigarette is what caught it on fire. But we all know that. The little girl set that man on fire. With the matches. Over so, some shoes that he lied about. Chris is breaking down through this whole time. Later on that evening, we go back to a familiar scene where we have Chris reading to Rhoda. And this time they're in the living room. And by the end of the story or midpoint of the story, however they do this, she's like, you know, well, we have new vitamins to take. So, okay. So before that, I think when she, when it cut to the, her reading the story, mm-hmm. I literally put in my notes, the mama week, I would have turned that little girl in. Ain't no way. I literally, that's not in my notes. I don't think I, like, I think at that point I would be scared to mm-hmm. be in the same house as her. I would have turned her in. Like, I would, at that point, I would be scared. Like, because at that point, I don't know what you would even do to me. But see, I think that Rhoda felt, well, my mom defended me that time. And she knows I killed two people, so she's going to keep defending me. Mm -mm. So I think that's what Rhoda's thinking in her head. Like, I can do these things, but my mom's going to defend me. Mm -mm. You got to go. Regardless. So later that evening, as we were saying, she says that she has new vitamins to take. And Rhoda wants to see them. I'm like, this little girl's smart. Like, she ain't no hoe, so... But Chris lets her see him, because I guess Chris must have thought ahead and nothing on the pills looks strange. So, you know, Rhoda's like, do you love me, Mommy? She's so many. Yeah, she's like, do you love me, Mommy? Do you know about Leroy? And, yeah, Chris is like, yeah, I, I know what happened. But then Rhoda goes, well, can I have my medal back? I'm like, girl, you still concerned about this daggone metal? So Rhoda starts to tell Chris about Leroy's stuff, but Chris really doesn't even want to hear it. She's just like, you you don't oh, need to. Oh, and this is when she told her, too, I threw away the metal. She's trying to give Rhoda these um, pills, but the very creepy thing, and this is where, uh, we'll talk about it later, where the novel and the movie kind of differ here. 
So in the movie, we're going to just continue with it. We'll talk about the novel later. When she's giving her the pills, did you notice that Chris can't even, like, look at her take them? Like, she's just looking, like, the other way. Like, if I'm sitting right here and my child yeah, she, is sitting here, yeah, she's she like, didn't look at her the whole entire time. The and that entire little girl's still time. talking about that daggone apricot juice. She was like, apricot juice is so good. It just makes everything easy. I'm like, I have... I can't relate, sis. I don't know. Orange juice. <laughs> right. Apple juice, orange juice, any of that. Like, juice. Right. I was going to say, even cranberry. So, Rhoda goes on and continues to tell her mom about the end of Leroy's murder and continues to manipulate Chris by thinking, you know, if I confess my sins to my mom, she'll have no choice but to be on my side and cover for me. Like, this is my number one person that's going to always be in my corner. So Rhoda goes ahead and asks Chris to finish the book. And it's right here where we see that Rhoda's falling asleep. And Chris comes over and just tells her how much she loves her. And she's her only child. And she can't let anybody hurt her or ever destroy a child. So she has to be the one to do it herself. And she tells Rhoda, just go ahead and sleep. And I'm going to sleep too. So this is where we can assume that this is basically a murder-suicide. Well, I guess I gave that away. But... And I clearly, in my notes, I was like, oh, she killed her? And then she killed herself? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. No. So, I see, I wouldn't have killed my child. I just would have turned her in. But see, I just think, like, at that time, she just couldn't take the fact that her child was evil and this would project on her, too. So they both had to go. Uh-uh. I think I that dying. was that type of thinking at that time. I ain't dying Like, you had to be, like, they already had this perfect life. Like, if you if someone was trying to kill you, yeah, I might die for you. But I ain't dying for you because you killed someone. No. Yeah. No, you, I agree with away. you. But I don't, I don't <laughs> think I could kill myself. I definitely couldn't do that. I but, couldn't do that either. That's why I was like, oh, no. Nah, you killed your child and then you're going to kill yourself? Luckily for Chris, she survived her gun wound. And she's actually in the hospital. She's just in the coma. And her daughter survived too. And her daughter survived too. So, we have Kenneth in the hospital. This is where we learned that she survived survived the wound. Sorry, it was a lot of letters I couldn't get out there. And this is where Rhoda just comes happily skipping around the corner where we meet Kenneth. Sociopath. Yes, where we meet Kenneth, Monica, Emery, and Mr. Tasker once again. And this is where the adults are talking about um, the deposition of why would Chris do that because she seemed so happy and Kenneth doesn't seem to quite understand because she wasn't letting her know that Rhoda was doing any of this and it just all seemed very random and Monica even goes to tell them that you know like yeah I mean I gave her the pills but I told her like they were clearly marked so I didn't think she was going to give her a lethal dose but see when she says that so when at this point Rhoda hasn't it hasn't been revealed to us that Rhoda lived yet so we're all thinking that Rhoda died, especially because Monica says, you know, when she gave lethal her dose. that lethal dose of sleeping pills. But like I said, Rhoda isn't dead. She comes skipping around the corner and they go ahead and they're leaving the hospital. And this is where Grandpa asks Tasker for the lighter. And they're talking about once again, if this is like nature versus nurture. Was that but Tasker they also or was that a different doctor. It was the doctor. You're right. It was a regular doctor. That was um, Chris's doctor. But this is where she also, or he also asked, was my daughter saying anything? Like, when you guys were taking her to the hospital? And the doctor lets him know, like, she just kept saying something about a bad seat. But Yeah, and then basically the doctor kind of told her that um, it's not possible for you to inherit 
killer genes right that it's learned and like that, that it's something that's a learned, learned behavior which we all know is not true it's not true so basically this is really what they hear just like john they said this is actually what grandpa and everybody else wants to hear so later that night kenna tucks in rhoda and she asks him about her mom and the pills but smartly kenneth just dismisses it and says like you know you just had a tummy ache it was just pretty bad that's it so kenneth walks out the door and rhoda mentions oh my god Rhoda mentions that Monica loves her and Monica thinks the world of her and says if she ever dies or if anything ever happens to her that Rhoda can have her lovebird. And Kenneth says that, you know, that won't be for a long time. But Rhoda says, you know, how long? Like, how long do lovebirds live versus humans? Which obviously we know isn't a long time. But according to Rhoda... Miss Monica is actually going to take her on some rooftop in the morning to feed the birds or, like, bathe the birds. Somewhere where nobody can see them. Yeah, somebody where nobody can see them. So, she basically just told her daddy, like, yeah, Auntie Monica is out. But obviously, Kenneth doesn't know any of Rhoda's killer history, so he just goes into his room and brushes it off. Rhoda once again cuddles with that creepy doll, but this time she's sneaking around her room and she ultimately sneaks out and she's trying to check if her dad is asleep. She says he's sleeping and then she goes right ahead. But I'm like, this little girl's very, very bold, but that raincoat and that hat was cute though. I imagine that it was yellow. Probably. Probably. So she's walking down the street and I'm like, if you go sneak out the house, at least be quiet. But I guess it was raining because she has like this flashlight and she's like running it along the fence like mm-hmm. you know how kids do like how you put a um a card in like your bicycle bicycle spoke or something like that but she's super loud but i guess because it's raining you probably don't hear her and anyway. it was thunder and lightning yeah so i'm just like where is she going like it's like it gotta be late late in the night where are you going little girl so abruptly um back at their house the phone rings and kenneth's op- kenneth's answers the call and it's the doctor saying like his wife is awake she wants to talk to him and she basically just says she wants to be forgiven for her sins like she knows she knows she was wrong everything she did was wrong she just wants to be forgiven but the dad as men do he well i can't say all men let me not be bitter anyway he just dismisses it and it's just because like, we'll handle he, it later. Yeah, he doesn't know what she's talking yeah, about. Yeah, to be okay, yeah, to be and then fair. I think she still thinks that the child is dead. I don't think that she thought she I don't oh think she goodness. knew that the child was alive. That's why she was like, I love you and I have to pay for my sins. I'm sorry. So she's still I thinking didn't think of that. Yeah, she's thinking that the child's dead. Johnny. That's why she was like, I have to pay for my sins. You wouldn't say that you had to pay for your sin if the child, if you knew the child was still alive. See, I was just thinking she was talking about committing suicide, but Mm-mm. I guess you right because if she, it was uh, supposed to be murder suicide and so. also concealing that she knew that her child was killing people. Right. That's, so dang, you smart. See, that's why you're here. <laughs> so we go back to Rhoda, and she's at the wharf trying to get that dag on metal. So she uses a metal fishing rod to get it out, and unfortunately... That lightning struck her, and I said, well, God did what he had to do. It just, it comes literally out of nowhere. So in the novel ending, Rhoda dies in her sleep, and the mom is shot. In the novel, Chris dies, and Rhoda lives, and she's able to be free to kill. But here, 
at the time, were you about to say this? How it was at the time? Which they didn't leave evil unpunished. So if there was a bad guy in the movie, he had to be punished somehow. However, what was so controversial about this one is that it was a kid. Yeah. So they didn't want her to necessarily get killed brutally. So they would just figure that they would let a force of nature do it. And it's kind of, it's a little unsettling, but once you get, go ahead. Yeah, so the thing was back then that it was very taboo to kill a kid in the movie other than natural causes or to kill them for being a villain. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it was a law, but back then it was a no-no. And that was the first movie in that time period that not only the kid was the villain, but she dies at the end as punishment. So that movie actually had a lot of backlash for it, even though technically they used lightning and the death was implied and they didn't show it. But a lot of people were pissed that it was a kid. Yeah, So, but you know, another thing, Leroy predicted that. Oh, he did? Yeah, so, okay, so do you remember in the very beginning when he was, like, pestering her and he goes, they're going to put you in an electric chair for what you did to that Claude oh, boy. Oh, yeah. He was like a little pink electric chair. Yeah. They he was, was like, like, you got a little blue one for boys <laughs> yeah, and, and a little pink, pink one, one for girls. girls. But, I mean, in the end... It was a lightning bolt. She ended up being in an electric wharf of sorts. But that is the end of this ride, my friends. That was a very... That was a long ride. Very long and wild ride. It seems you survived. Well, before so you go, join us in the souvenir shop. To, they kind of like ended it the way that they do plays. So like if you've ever seen a Tyler Perry play, at the end they start announcing all of the cast members and what their character was. And so they did that. And then at the end, right after they announced the mother, they panned to the mom. She, like she announced, they announced her. She pointed at Rhoda. Then they pan the camera of Christine going over to the couch and she grabs Rhoda and puts her over her lap and spanks her in like a very joking and lovingly way to kind of like break up the mood because it's like you just killed the child and then (laughs) skip to here is Mr. Mrs. Dinkle right say bye okay see she's right here she's laughing but what they also do at the very very end there's a little title card and there's that nostalgia again because it's kind of like that cosmic bowling font like Jetson's font it looks like the end of well the beginning or the ending of I Live Lucy or like I Dream of Jeannie like all of those shows like Nick at Night like very Nick at Night vibes so it's basically telling the audience members not to be dicks and tell what happened at the end of the story yeah they said don't divulge the ending they said we understand she said thank you for watching this movie it was strategically different Mm -hmm. and then they say please do not divulge the climax of this movie perfect and i mean like you i wish you could do that now but it's like now when you watch movies like you have to watch them so fast or you just have to like x yourself off of social media because you're gonna find out so the bad seed was distributed by Warner Bros. It was released on September 12, 1956. The runtime, oh my god. The runtime is 129 minutes. 2 that hours is, and 9 minutes. Yes, child. okay. So its main language is English. The budget was 1 million dollars. The box office it made 4.1 million. Dollars. So they also had four Oscar nominations. Mm, do you know those? Do you know who got them? Um, so not, they didn't win any. Mm-hmm. They just had oh, four just noms. noms. Yeah, they just had four noms. Yeah. And Patty got two of those noms. Patty McCormick, she is the one who played Rhoda, the little girl. Yeah, her acting was very well. So, Janae, 
What okay, do you so rate in my, this ride? Okay, so in my notes, I actually put three and a half out of five stars. Okay. So, I mean, I guess that's 50. No, it's a little bit more than 50. I mean, yeah, go ahead. You do that. So, I'm just going to, I'm not going to do the math because I, I, math in public is a no for me. Mm-mm. Me too, sis. <laughs> me too. Now, granted, I have a whole engineering degree, but I don't <laughs> math in public. Right. <laughs> um. So, actually, I'll, out of 100, I'll give it like a 75. Only, okay, I like the movie, but for me, the plot was easy to figure out. Mm-hmm. And I hate that I can do that with a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about my brain, but I can figure out a lot of plots. Um, what I didn't expect, though, was the mama to, to try to kill herself. I, that was shocking. Yeah. And then I also did not expect the little girl getting struck by lightning. I didn't either. My mouth was open. <laughs> I was <laughs> so ready to text like, you. Oh. I was so okay. ready. So for me, same thing. So when we picked this movie and... I'll get into that after I give my answer. When we picked this movie, I thought that I had this movie ruined for me because I am the type of person that's always watching horror countdowns or something like that. And, you know, things get spoiled by accident. I just thought the ending was that she dies in her sleep. I didn't even know the part about the mom shooting herself. Like, I thought it ended there. So when everything else unraveled, I was just like, oh, whoa, they're really, like, trying their hand at that. As we said earlier, I don't know if there are any other movies that that did this concept first. So I kind of have to give this movie its flowers for being the the first, or if not one of the first. So I guess my rating, I'm going to give it... Hmm. I'm gonna give it a 75, like you know. I'm gonna give it a 78. Yeah, I gave it a 75. I'm gonna give it a 78. Okay. I mean, I like the I like the movie, but it was just too, for me certain parts were just too predictable. Yeah. And I have to mention that this was actually my first time seeing it. Yeah. So that's why I was like for my first time watch because it's still it was still things that like kind of like I wasn't ready. Yeah, for. I was not expecting that girl to get struck by lightning. But even, I guess, just, like, with the dialogue and everything, that's what I'm taking. So, yeah, I'm going to say a 78. So, we have 75 and 78. For this month, our theme is kids in horror. Mm-hmm. So, we chose five kids' movies. So, this week, we did The Bad Seed, and next week, we are The doing... next week, we are doing The Good Son. Which, which, which Good Son are we doing? Are we doing the 93 version? Whichever one has Macaulay Culkin in it. It's more than one? <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be point, surprised either. All these daggone remakes. So, guys, we had fun with you guys. Thanks for visiting Destination 180. We hope you enjoyed the ride. And meet us up later. Bye. Peace.